ESPNFootball.com and the DLF Family of Podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Oh my god. Somehow we made it back. I don't ask me how. This was uh, this the back from the abyss. So this was by far the uh, the worst case scenario in terms of uh, technical difficulties. Is the entire system went down here in the Super Show studio. Uh, that was that was insane. I uh, I I I seriously thought this podcast was just dead right there. I thought it died with the equipment. So uh, to be back here on the mic talking with you, my super friends, is uh, a, a relief um, and and honestly just kind of. Uh, the culmination of a lot of sleepless nights. So it's good to be back. And so what I wanted to do, I when when all of this first went down almost a month ago, everything just falls apart on me. Everything just kind of melts in front of my eyes. I had uh, I I had asked for some more questions to do an ask me anything segment, um, another ask me anything episode uh, that is, and. Got some great questions, and the beauty of the off season, the non-point scoring season, is your you know a question regarding you know in-season management that was asked in March is still is still applicable here in in you know mid to late April. So, uh, so we're gonna do that. We're still we're still gonna answer these questions. Um, I'm sure that. Uh, you know those the super friends who ask these questions have probably kind of uh, found their their answers for the most part already. But uh, I still want to address them because I thought they were great questions. I mean that's why I came down into the studio to record this "Ask Me Anything" episode, um, just to have all the equipment just completely fail me, <laughs> just go completely south on me. So we're gonna go ahead and do that. Also. Uh, um, I mean, plenty of things have come up since then. We're also what a week, little over a week off from the uh, the NFL draft. Um, finally, these rookies are going to kind of come into focus for us. I and I I think that we need to talk about that. There's a lot of strategy that goes into those rookie drafts, and I say it all the time. I don't like talking about rookies before the NFL draft because we're missing the key ingredients to all of this you can talk about player profiles all you want you can talk about athleticism you can talk about you know college dominator and breakout age things like that but we know that there are really two things that matter for nfl rookies and you know in terms of fantasy viability and it kind of depends on the position a little bit but draft capital is kind of the king uh, at just about every position. You know, you can still you can still find some players at you know tight end and running back uh, 
later in the NFL draft. That happens all the time. Uh, but, you know, for, for quarterbacks and wide receivers, it's draft capital. If a quarter if if a quarterback is not drafted in the top half of the first round, and there's a guy who I think might not make it <laughs> into the into the top sixteen, uh, we'll have to get to that in a second. But if they're not drafted in the top half of the first round, they are they they really have, you know, uh, first of all, a, a pretty limited opportunity. Like they're probably getting drafted onto a team that already has a starter and you're kind of looking for an injury in order for that, you know, for that, for that rookie to get it, to get his opportunity. And then even then it's a super short leash. Whereas if you're drafting a quarterback early in the first round, in the top half of the first round, you're kind of committing to that player for two plus years. On average, they're going to get two and a half years, uh, you know, kind of regardless of how they perform. So, I mean, you know, Zach Wilson got two full years. You know, <laughs> I, I always bring that one up because I have to take the L on that. He should have been significantly better than he was. But the point is, he had every opportunity. He had two full seasons. Now, there were a lot of injuries uh, that kind of slowed things down. And the story's not totally written. But, you know, the fact that the Jets are already done, they've seen enough. But it took them two years to say they've seen enough. Whereas the guy who we thought was going to be the best quarterback in a rookie class in 2022, Malik Willis, they saw him for, what, two games, three games with Ryan Tannehill hurt? And they feel like they've seen enough. And why are they able to to make that determination? Because it doesn't cost very much. He was a third-round pick. You gave up a third-round pick for that guy. It's certainly not the same. You don't have the same pressure of getting it right in the third round that you do in the first round. And so they are, you know, they're they're a lot less likely to uh, to to make that determination early. Uh, with a player taken, uh, you know, in, in early in the first round. So, anyways, that part's super important. Landing spot is also crucial, particularly not not really to quarterbacks and wide receivers. We talked about this before. They quarterbacks and wide receivers make their own situation. So, landing spot doesn't particularly matter. And it's funny because you'll you'll see a lot of chatter about. You know, I, I I would love to see this quarterback in this landing spot. I would love to see, you know, for the most part, it does not matter. All that matters is they, that they get get that draft capital. You know, so you know, send sending Will Levis to Tampa Bay, where he's going to be throwing to you know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That that feels like a good quote unquote landing spot. But what happens when they move off of those two wide receivers to, you know, as a cap measure cap saving measure. And all of a sudden he doesn't have any weapons and you know, they, he was drafted later in the first round uh, by Tampa Bay. And now you're kind of looking at, 
All right, he doesn't have anyone to throw to. He hasn't shown anything. And now we've been so bad that we're drafting early in the first round in 2024 with Caleb Williams coming in, you know, and and Drake May possibly coming in, Quinn Ewers possibly coming in. All of a sudden, you know, it it was like, yeah, that was a that was a fun experiment with Will Levis, but you know, it's it's time for us to move on to a uh, a, a more polished prospect. Uh, because we can't rebuild forever. That's kind of the bottom line for NFL teams. You know, it, we we can't. It, people's jobs are on the line here. If we have to, if we're just kind of stuck in a rebuild, trying to figure out what we've got with this rookie quarterback, with this young quarterback. So, anyways, the landing spot doesn't really matter for quarterback because the situation is going to change. The situation is fluid. It's kind of the same thing for wide receivers as well. But running backs and tight ends, particularly running backs, the landing spot is is really kind of the thing. Like it's more important than draft capital typically. Um, you know, you'll you'll find guys who will get an opportunity it all throughout the draft. You're gonna find running backs who eventually get a shot. And it's it, this class in particular, it's so deep at running back. That, you know, it's it's pretty safe to assume that some of these guys are going to fall later and later into the draft. That's the thing. When you have a class this deep at any position, it makes it that much easier for NFL front offices to say, all right, we don't need to take, you know, Jameer Gibbs in the early second round because we're going to get Devin A-Chain in the third or the fourth round and get a very similar player. You know, and, and there's examples of this throughout the draft. So, you know, there's there's a good chance that a lot of these running backs fall quite a bit. I still, I firmly believe that B. John Robinson is a top half of the first round back. But the rest of them, I don't think are guaranteed anything as far as draft capital. So if we were a slave to the draft capital with running backs, the way we are with quarterbacks and wide receivers, we're going to hate all these guys. <laughs> We're going to hate all these guys, and their only crime is going to be coming out in a draft this deep. So, you know, so so we're I, I, I'm I'm a lot more likely to ignore draft capital at running back, but the landing spot is still important. It's got to be somewhere where there's an opportunity, at least a path. It doesn't have to. You don't have to walk in as a starter, but you've got to be. You know, there's there's got to be a, a depth chart there that you can climb, you know, relatively quickly and get your opportunity, get on the field and show what you can do. So, it, you know, and if you if you don't have that, then, uh, you know, it, like forget the talent, forget the athleticism, forget what they did in college. If they're buried on an NFL depth chart, you know, behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford, or you know Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, you know, there's there's just there's no reason for us to to really take the risk with that particular player. So, anyways, those, that's kind of what we're looking for. Still, like that, those are the things that really determine the viability of a prospect. 
its landing spot, and its draft capital. And we don't have any of that yet. I mean, we're close. We're, like I said, a week, week and a half away as of this recording, but we don't have that stuff. We're trying to, we're trying to forecast this. We're trying to look around corners and we just have the least amount of information. And it's the most crucial information that we're lacking. So it's, it's really tough to, to talk about that this time of year. Um, but I, we're, we're close enough now that we can still, I think we can still talk about some strategies. I, I think that we can, um, you know, start to, we can definitely kind of start to pinpoint some, uh, some tiers. I think that we can kind of do that. Uh, we do have to assume draft capital, of course. And again, for the running backs, we need to assume some landing spots, but you know, I think that we can kind of, we can start to tier players. Like, so here's an example. Will Levis is to me, to me for fantasy purposes. And I don't think this is a hot take. Will Levis is in a, is in a lower tier is a fantasy, is a fantasy asset is a dynasty asset. than Bryce Young, CJ Stroud and, even Anthony Richardson. I'm not a huge fan of Anthony Richardson, but for fantasy purposes, I think that he's he's got to be in that tier with Young and Stroud. Um, at, at least for the moment, if he falls far enough in the first round, and that's a guy who I who I'm kind of I've got an eye on. I kind of have a feeling he's going to drop a lot farther than people think. But if he drops far enough, if he gets past the Washington Commanders at 16. Which, to me, that would be a great landing spot for Anthony Richardson to join the Commanders right there. So, but if he falls past them, then all of a sudden we have to talk about pushing him down a tier. But right now, I, I, it doesn't matter where Will Levis goes or when he goes. I kind of don't care. Send him first overall to Carolina, and I'm still not going to push him up into that tier with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud you know so I think we can kind of start to make determinations like that I think we can start to put some tiers together I mean the other thing that I'll say about Will Levis is regardless of landing spot and regardless of draft capital which it's it's starting to sound like maybe the draft capital won't be that great either but kind of regardless of of those two things for Will Levis I'm still I, I'm I'm a lot more interested in draft capital for Jackson Smith Najigba. And I'm a lot more interested in the landing spot for Jameer Gibbs. Because there's a good chance that I'm gonna be looking at those two guys over Will Levis as well. And you guys know, you you know how much this is a this is a this is a very quarterback centric podcast. This is this is a quarterback extreme podcast. We're extreme about quarterbacks. We know how valuable they can be if they've got a starting job. But to me, Will Levis, that's all he is. Is a a young quarterback with, you know, two to three years of of job security. I don't think that you know, nothing else is guaranteed. Where I think to me, Bryce Young 
and CJ Stroud. This is why I say landing spot doesn't matter because those guys are going to succeed wherever they go. And their their new NFL franchise is going to build that offense around them. They're going to build up the offensive line. They're going to bring in some pass catching weapons. They're going to, you know, they're going to build up the running game. They're going to bring in offensive minds, you know, offensive coordinators who have familiarity with the player or, uh, you know, have have experience developing young quarterbacks. They're going to throw all of their resources into those guys. And you already have two very polished players with those two guys. So, you know, landing spot doesn't matter to me. Uh, it, the situation's going to change for them. Um, as long as they get reasonable draft capital, which they both will, they'll both go top five. It, you know, that's kind of the, it, it, the very, in the very worst case scenario, Bryce Young goes first overall, CJ Stroud goes fifth overall. I, I don't see anybody, either of those guys falling beyond that. So, you know, it, I, it's it's pretty easy for us to just kind of project those two players to be solid NFL starters and solid Superflex starters. But Will Levis has a lot more, <laughs> he has a lot more work to do. Anthony Richardson kind of does too a little bit, but again, I, if he gets reasonable draft capital, I'm going to feel good about him. It'll be the same thing if they're willing to. If anyone is willing to give up a you know a top sixteen pick to bring in Anthony Richardson, the other thing that they're going to be fully willing to do is to turn that offense into an RPO offense and just let him freestyle, let him make plays which is going to be great for us for fantasy purposes. It, it very well could mean that he's got the highest floor and the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks in the draft class in 2023. It starts to level out after that. And then, you know, eventually CJ Stroud and Bryce Young both go on to have better NFL careers. But in terms of fantasy scoring, Right out of the gate, Anthony Richardson, if he's given the draft capital, is probably the guy that helps you win right away. So, you know, at Dynasty rosters, we're still building around Bryce Young. We're still building around C.J. Stroud. But if you're, if you're already built up at quarterback and you're ready to go contend, Anthony Richardson, I think, is going to be your guy. Again, we need to draft capital though. So so that's what I mean. There's kind of a lot of strategy involved there that we can that we can kind of get into. I'm still in the middle of the intro here, apparently. I'm still introducing this episode almost 20 minutes in. So let me actually start uh start talking about uh stop talking about what I'm gonna be talking about and actually start talking about what I'm gonna be talking about. So let's let's actually get to this AMA stuff first because I want to make sure that these questions finally finally get answered a month later. Um, and I mean these the, the the people who ask these questions probably haven't even thought about them in several weeks now. <laughs> but here you go, your questions are are getting answered here because these are all very good questions. Uh, I'm going to actually start with my man Zane saying, uh, supposing top 10 draft capital for the top four rookie quarterbacks, 
where did it, where do they slot in in your quarterback rankings? Which so again, kind of start with the the premise that um I I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think that the that they're all top 10 picks. I think that Bryce Young is first overall. I still think CJ Stroud is second overall. I know that there's a there are rumors that Houston doesn't want to doesn't want to deal with CJ Stroud because he has the same agent as Deshaun Watson, blah blah blah. I I I, I I've heard all that too. It's it's smoke and mirrors, honestly. It's not it, it it's not anything for us to be listening to. It's pseudo analysis at best. Um, more kind of like TMZ type of gossip, you know, to be totally honest. So that's not something that we're necessarily worried about. So first of all, to me, you know, it would be ridiculous of Houston to say, all right, we're not taking our franchise quarterback, you know, when we're here in range of one of those one of those guys that you know whatever word you want to use for for it generational is kind of our go to but you know he's he's he is that polished he is that good of a player and is a, a, a of a of a passer more than anything which is super important he's plenty athletic but the guy's a machine throwing the ball so you don't give up an opportunity to take C.J. Stroud just because of who represents him. And not only that, that firm, that agent, is going to represent a lot of NFL players over the years. I I, I don't think that you can just alienate an entire segment of the player pool because of this representation. I don't think you can do that. But if they do want to do that, if you know if if that's the route they want to go you know it's it's you want to take a principled stand go for it but the real move it then is to trade back don't just take one of the defensive players don't just, don't just take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter just because you know the quarterback available to you with that second overall pick isn't somebody that you want to deal with because the value of that pick is still equal to the value of C.J. Stroud, which is significantly more than those defensive players. And we know that there are several teams willing to trade up to that number two pick. Now, you might have to bite the bullet and trade the pick to somebody in your division because Indianapolis and Tennessee are definitely in range of that pick. They can offer you the most competitive uh, trade packages. But, I mean, you know, it, you can you can definitely start by talking to the Vegas Raiders. You can start by talking to the Atlanta Falcons. But you make that move. You trade back out of the number two pick if you're not going to take C.J. Stroud. Because people are teams are going to be willing to pay quite a bit more for that second pick than the return that you're going to get for that defensive player. So to me, C.J. Stroud goes second overall. Will Levis, I think, is going to go higher than he should. <laughs> um, I'm not convinced that he's a top five pick. He 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 might he could go he could certainly go fourth overall. Maybe even Arizona trades down from the third pick. I kind of doubt it. But you know, maybe 
maybe he goes fourth overall to the Indianapolis Colts. I'm not convinced. I'm really not convinced of that. You know, I think that I think that they're I I I kind of think that the Colts are probably fine with Gardner Minshew, and I think they probably recognize that this isn't the year. You know, if you and and my my assumption is they probably tried to trade up to that first overall pick to get either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and I think they just got outbid by the Carolina Panthers. So I think that that's that's my guess. And if you're not going to get into the top two, and again, you know, first overall, you missed on that one. Second overall is a division rival who is going to be very reluctant to trade you that pick. So you're out of range of the two guys who really changed the fortune of your franchise. So, you know, at that point, to me, you just call it a day. You know, you you bring in a defensive player, you bring in some offensive line help. There's, you know, plenty of options. Maybe another receiving threat for Gardner Minshew. And then, um, you know, it, at some point you're going to have a shot at a, at a quarterback who's not going to be a long-term project. So that's the problem. You invest in Will Levis and you take on the project where you're going to be, you're going to be trying to build up this quarterback you're going to be trying to develop this quarterback well beyond the 2024 season (laughs) and that's the case with both Levis and Richardson unfortunately so you know you almost would rather get back into the early first round in 2024 get get one of those more polished guys coming in than embark on a journey like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson to be totally honest, that's that really kind of should be the mindset. And I kind of think that it is. I kind of think the, that's how the Indianapolis Colts are going to approach this. Let's see what happens with Gardner Minshew. We've got a healthy Jonathan Taylor. You know, we want this offense to run through Taylor. We want we want the ball in the hands of Michael Pittman, Jelani Woods. That's how we want this offense to run. We don't want a quarterback who's going to get scared, who's going to make bad decisions, who's going to take off and run all the time. We want the ball in the hands of the guys that we know are playmakers. So to me, the Colts, the keep an eye on the Colts. I, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to be uh, in the market for a quarterback if they can't somehow get up to that second overall pick, if they can't convince Houston to trade them that pick. So, you know, I, I to me, Will Levis could, I, I think that he's more likely to go fifth overall. And he could even fall a little beyond that, to be totally honest. It's, it, it, it's, there, there are definitely some teams kind of around seven and eight. Uh, you know, you, you know, you get to Vegas, you get to Atlanta. Those teams could definitely be looking at quarterback, but just like the wide receiver position, or just like the running back position, I'm sorry, it's, you know, when you see some depth, when you see a tier that's still stocked, you don't have to move up to get the to get one of those guys when you know that the other one is still going to be there for you. 
So it kind of, if 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 the Indianapolis Colts don't take a quarterback fourth overall, then all of a sudden there's kind of no real reason to move up necessarily. So, yeah, uh, will will Levis? I I think probably fifth overall is kind of the best he can do. Um, and there's a possibility that he falls even farther. Anthony Richardson. And this is the one that people are going to absolutely freaking hate, but I don't think that NFL front offices are particularly interested in Anthony Richardson and his off-the-charts athleticism, you know, combined with the fact that he has 13 starts under his belt in college. Very, very inexperienced. And a super long-term... Uh, a long-term project. You know, all of the things that NFL quarterbacks have to be able to do as far as reading defenses, you know, looking off safeties, tracking corners, uh, you know, making making reads both pre- and post-snap, going through the progressions. These are all things that Anthony Richardson, he obviously hasn't done it in a pro-style offense in college. He hasn't done it that much in college regardless of the offense and you know it these are things that uh, that you really kind of these are tools that have to at least be a little bit developed when you get into the league so I think he's going to scare off some front offices and it just makes me think that there's a good chance that Anthony Richardson falls beyond the top 10 and possibly like I said, 16, I think, is is probably his best shot. But I wouldn't be surprised if he falls to the end of the first round. Somebody trades back in. You know, one of those teams that that passed on quarterback in the first round. And, you know, they trade back in uh, into the early second. Or, or end of the first, I'm sorry, from the early second. They trade up into the end of the first just to get him with that fifth-year option because you're going to need all five years to develop that, uh, that, you know, that, all, that skill set for Anthony Richardson, um, those competencies. You're going to have to – you're going to need five years. <laughs> Four years isn't going to do it. So, uh, I, yeah, Anthony Richardson could fall. So, But, you know, for the sake of conversation, let's assume that they all – they do all go top 10, which, and like I said, as long as they go top 16, I'm good. So, but if they go, you know, anyone falls beyond 16, then, then I'm concerned, but I'm not, you know, it's, it, to me, there's very little difference between 10th and 16th overall. So let's, let's assume that that actually happens and they both go, you know, top half of the first round. They all go top half of the first round. Where are we going to rank these guys? So right now, my my rankings, my Superflex rankings, uh, available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, the quarterbacks, well, so the Pat Mahomes is back in a tier of his own. Uh, he's, he's proven to be more consistent, kind of regardless of what's going on around him. Loses Tyreek Hill, deals with injuries, still league MVP, you know, fantasy quarterback one overall, all those, you know, 
just just the model of consistency and nobody can match that so i bumped josh allen out of that top tier with pat mahomes because josh allen is not as consistent as pat mahomes he's just not there are just too many circumstances that make josh allen less safe than pat mahomes and so i'm not willing to call that a lateral move to go from pat mahomes to josh allen you want if i have pat mahomes and you have josh allen and you want to trade me, Allen, and get back Pat Mahomes, you're going to have to add a lot to Josh Allen. And I didn't believe that to be the case before. I I felt like it was a lateral move to go from one to the other, but after the season that they just had, I don't feel that way. I just don't. So Josh Allen leads off the second tier. He's quarterback two, uh, but he's in a tier with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence. And now that last one's a little hot takey already, but Trevor Lawrence has been on this this trajectory in his second season and beyond. Yeah, there's a there's a massive breakout coming for Trevor Lawrence here in year three for him in 2023. And, you know, I think that by the end of that season, we're gonna feel like Trevor Lawrence to Josh Allen is a lateral move. So they're in a tier together. Tier three, and this is where we finally, I mean, it starts off with quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts. Um, I i don't have him in that tier with Trevor Lawrence and, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, um, just because, you know, as a fantasy scorer, I think that he's, you know, he's he's got a higher ceiling, a higher weekly ceiling than any of those guys. It's just, it's more of a long-term thing. Like, that's how I'm kind of splitting the hairs, is I'm not convinced that Jalen Hurts, you know, fully develops into a pocket passer who locks down that position for them for the next 12 years. You know, I'm not so sure about that part. But I'm hoping he proves me wrong. And, man, one more season of, uh, you know, if if we see the, the passing develop even further for Jalen Hurts uh, in 2023. I mean, he's he's jumping ahead of some of these guys, quite honestly. He's he's going to be, you know, between the rushing upside and just the ability to stand in the pocket and throw to these, I mean, you know, they're going to keep him stocked with weapons. So, you know, it, 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 I, I'm going to put him ahead of Herbert, I'm probably there's a good chance he moves ahead of Josh Allen. Um, Trevor Lawrence would have to have the breakout I'm expecting to stay in that conversation with him. Joe Burrow is the only guy I would have a really hard time, and unless Burrow had a a pretty down season, Burrow would be the only guy that I'd be really concerned about. Um, it, you know, the the only guy that I would really rather have than Jalen Hurts at that point. So anyways, this tier three, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray. I know the injury. Um, you know, I know there's talk that he might miss the entire 2023 season. I don't think that's going to be the case, but you know, I know it was a later injury, but I, I, I do believe he's going to play. I think that he probably misses a few weeks, maybe even starts the season on pup, miss the first six weeks of the season. But I think that's kind of the worst case scenario. And it, and above all else, again, this is dynasty. 
You know, we're not just talking about what's going to happen in 2023. We're talking about a young quarterback who can throw the ball well, who they have repeatedly found more found weapons for and will continue to do so and who has some rushing upside on top of uh, on top of all of it one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the entire league so yeah i mean he's i'm i'm not worried about kyler murray long term and that's why i believe he's i actually have him a spot ahead of justin fields i've seen more from kyler murray than justin fields at this point and then I've got Deshaun Watson. And then we finally see some non-quarterbacks, by the way. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Jonathan Taylor, all in that tier. Uh, but ranked below those guys, which I, I think that probably would upset some people to see, you know, Deshaun Watson, um, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, see those guys ranked ahead of Justin Jefferson. And, you know, if if... I, I put it this way. If you have a roster that is ready to win, you already have Justin Jefferson. Now you're trying to add Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase to that same roster. But you only have two quarterbacks, and one of them, Dak, one of them is Dak Prescott. And somebody, and whoever has Jamar Chase says, yeah, I'll give you Chase for Dak Prescott straight up. Are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to pull the trigger on that? I mean, I the value is fine, but are you actually going to be able to do that in a Superflex Dynasty League? I, I don't think that you can. I think that, you know, because it, what's the point of having those wide receivers? What's the point of having Chase and Jefferson on the same roster where you only have one quarterback? You know, it, it, you're you're just kind of you're making you're you're handcuffing yourself. You're making it harder for yourself to contend that season, and you're in a window with those guys. And it's not a super small window with those. Not the way it is with running backs, but you still have a a, a smaller window to go win a championship. And it, it before you can do that, you have to find some quarterbacks, especially if you give up one of your two. So, you know, it, it, it kind of, a, it's a little bit of a trade value play at that point. So, you know, I, I really kind of stand by the fact that these quarterbacks should really be worth more than those, those wide receivers. Conspicuous by his absence is Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's in tier five and he's the only quarterback in that tier. Um, I actually have Tua in Tier 4 ahead of him um, behind Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Travis Kelsey. And, man, that one doesn't feel great. I kind of think you give up any one of those players for Tua. I think there's there's a rankings adjustment coming <laughs> when it comes to that one. I think he needs to move up. Lamar Jackson, I mean, sign a contract and then we'll talk. But, uh, you know, for the moment... The fact that I, you know, we're looking at possibly a holdout, possibly a trade, um, you know, missing a lot of time with with injuries, actual injuries, and some quote unquote injuries, just because he's unhealth, un, unhappy with his contract. Like 
these are all things that bump him way down for me. Forget about the fact that he just he doesn't have much of a floor. He has a super low weekly floor. And we really saw it this year. So yeah, he he's gonna be pretty low for me. So that's that's kind of the that looks like the top twelve quarterbacks. And to me, Bryce Young belongs probably near the bottom of of that group. Although I would put Bryce Young probably ahead of Deshaun Watson, who's quarterback 10. Actually, I would put him ahead of Justin Fields as well, um, who's quarterback 9. So I think he's probably going to come into the league at at quarterback 9 between Kyler Murray and Justin Fields with plenty of, mo- of room to move up for him. You know, kind of the same thing as Jalen Hurts. It's like let's let's hit a couple milestones, and then you're gonna get bumped up. Uh, so yeah, to me, Bryce Young, uh, um, you know, more polished prospect than Justin Fields was, uh, better prospect, and we haven't fully gotten a breakout from Justin Fields. Like, there's kind of no real reason to to value Justin Fields over Bryce Young at this point. And I actually feel the same way about C.J. Stroud, come to think of it. So I think I'm going to have him at quarterback 10, you know, one spot behind Bryce Young and one spot ahead of Justin Fields. You know, so back to Zane's question of where, assuming top 10 draft capital for the top four quarterbacks, where are we going to put them, where are we going to slot them in? And for me... Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, um, they jump ahead of Justin Fields. I am not quite willing to put them ahead of Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott just yet, but they definitely have that upside. Easily have the upside to get beyond those guys. Uh, I they've They have the upside for Tier 2. Jalen Hurts, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, those are guys who I believe can still make it into Tier 2. Uh, where Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson. I'll, I'll take Justin Fields out of it. I think Justin Fields does have the upside to get into Tier 2 with Josh Allen and Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence. I think he has that upside. I'm not so sure that he's going to get there, but I think he has the upside. Uh, Will Levis is not going to be in this conversation as a quarterback one kind of regardless of his draft capital. Um, So we're going to move down. We're going to put him, so quarterback 13, 14, 15. It's uh, older guys, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. Uh, 16 is Aaron Rodgers. So weird to see him that far down in my rankings. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean... It, in until he retires, he's on retirement watch. So, um, tier eight, and this is one that people are going to have a tough time with. Quarterback eighteen is Daniel Jones. It feels like he should be higher because he's young, and you know he he did get a big contract. It's still, it it's not a great offense. Uh, I, you, you guys know how I feel about run first quarterbacks and they're really kind of not, they're still not giving him receiving weapons that would really incentivize him to stand in the pocket and deliver. 
You know, there it's it's like they want him to keep running. And if that's the case, you're really starting to look at him as kind of a, a shorter term type of proposition. Kind of the same way you 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 know just let running backs just kind of run themselves into the ground and then replace them. I mean, you can do that at quarterback too, and maybe that's what they're <laughs> kind of what they're doing with Daniel Jones. But you know, I'm I'm not going to invest heavily uh, in somebody who I think you know at least based on where his skill set is now. What three years into his into his NFL career, four years in. You know, I, I I haven't seen enough improvement, particularly as a passer, to for me to to feel like he's anything more than a you know a mid mid to low quarterback too. Uh, I've got Mac Jones there. I've got Kenny Pickett there. These are guys that I'm I'm not super high on, but I think that that's probably. This is probably the area that we would look at Will Levis. Um, let's put him. Let's put. Let's let's just put him a spot behind Daniel Jones at quarterback nineteen. Um, so ahead of Mac Jones, ahead of Kenny Pickett. I think there's more upside with Will Levis. Um, I you know I I think that well Mac Jones for one. I mean we're already hearing that. New England might already be done with him. They might already be sick of him. Bailey Zappi was a better player. I said that. I was saying that in the in season when Mac Jones came back from injury. I was saying Bailey Zappi's a better quarterback. He should be the starter in New England. Was kind of sounds like Bill Belichick might agree with that. Kenny Pickett has job security, but I very, very little upside. And I think it's just a matter of time before you know, another season of limited development from Kenny Pickett, and they're going to be on to the next quarterback. So, you know, at least Will Levis has a full two to three years ahead of him uh, before they're ready to flush him. So, so you know, I think that I think I'm going to put him right behind Daniel Jones, ahead of Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. And, you know, Matthew Stafford, I actually have those guys all ahead of Trey Lance and Brock Brock Purdy. And I'm not feeling great about that. It's just the bigger issue is who's the starter, Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. So right now it's Lance at quarterback 22. He's got more upside if he's a starter. Quarterback 23 is Brock Purdy, who I think should and will be the starter in San Francisco. So now, you know, the the bigger issue is Trey Lance needs to get out and find somewhere where he can actually start and unlock that ceiling. So, but anyways, I yeah, I I, I Will Levis, I still think that there's probably there needs to be a rankings adjustment here. Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, I I would feel more comfortable with both of those guys than Will Levis. I just need some clarity on that situation first. But the rest of the names that I mentioned, Will Levis has just as much of a chance to solidify a long-term job as, you know, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, and, and at this point, Matthew Stafford, 
Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew. These are all guys. Jordan Love. You know, Will Levis, the fact that that he's an unknown quantity at this point makes him a little bit safer than those guys. Those guys have already kind of, you know, they've already kind of satisfied their uh, their career expectancy for the most part. They've given us all they're going to give, and now they're kind of on the downslope. Or they haven't proven anything. They haven't secured anything. They haven't secured long-term job security. And, you know, I like I said, I think Will Levis has a greater opportunity to do that at this point than a lot of those guys save Daniel Jones and probably Brock Purdy. So... That leaves us with Anthony Richardson. And again, I think that I I, I don't see him as a top 10 pick. Uh, he could be a top 16 pick, which is good enough for me. But I kind of think, I you know, I think that I'm probably going to have him, regardless, I'm probably going to have him as a borderline quarterback one. I I have a hard time putting him ahead of Lamar Jackson, even though I really, really want to. But Lamar Jackson is going to be on the field in 2023. Anthony Richardson probably won't. So, <laughs> so it, that's tough to do. But would I rather have Anthony Richardson than Russell Wilson at this point? I, I think that they have very similar risk. And I think that Anthony Richardson has more upside. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith. I think Aaron, I, I think Anthony Richardson has more upside than all those guys. So I'll put him ahead of all of them. I'm going to put him at quarterback 13. He just misses that quarterback one, the you know that top 12 conversation. But uh, and this is right at the moment. This is assuming top 16 draft capital. You know, the, all of that stuff, he, he's got to go to a situation where um, he's at least likely to start for him to keep this this position. But for me, I'll put him at quarterback 13 after Lamar Jackson ahead of, you know, the Russell Wilsons, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goffs of the world, Aaron Rodgers of the world. So there you go. Uh, that, I love that question, Zane. I appreciate that one. Um Next one is from, let's start with Josh. He asked, uh, can you talk about your approach to flex positions, um, particularly with a tight end premium, and why you don't use a set it and forget it approach? Love this one too. I don't know if I have time to really go through it, but man, I want to. (laughs) We might let this go a little long. You haven't had a super show episode in weeks. You know, I think that you can probably deal with a, a, you know, a double uh, you know, a supersized episode here, twice as long as, as usual. So we're going to go through this stuff. We're all scratching itches here. If, if you can shut the podcast off at any point, <laughs> I don't know if you were aware, uh, but you have that option. Um, your device has a stop button or a pause button, um, or just pick a different podcast. <laughs> if at any point you get tired of my rambling, 
feel free, but I haven't podcasted this entire time. I haven't been able to. I haven't had equipment. So, you know, for me, this is this is cathartic. I'm 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 enjoying being back in the studio and being back on the air and knowing that there's a podcast, uh, a super, super flex super show episode coming out. Back to that DLF family of podcast mega feed. It's 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 all good stuff, and so I'm in no hurry to get out of here. If, but if you are, I I don't take any offense. Okay. So, anyways, why don't I take a set it and forget it approach at flex? And it's pretty simple. There's one position. Well, there's two positions that you set it and forget it. One of them is quarterback, which is not flex eligible. You know. Obviously, you have the super flex position where you can set it and forget it at quarterback. I still don't think that you necessarily should. You can, and a lot of people are going for a roster build where that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to, they're just going to set it and forget it at quarterback and super flex. That's the whole thing with quarterback extreme. Is I think you can, I, I, I in fact, I know I've seen it. Uh, you know, we've we've done the math. Um, we've done the research, and we've seen that you can raise your baseline scoring every single week by playing matchups and streaming quarterbacks within your roster. But you can set it and forget it. If you have, if you know, if you get Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen on the same roster, or Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow, I mean, there's nothing wrong with just setting those guys as your quarterback and super flex starters every week. And then, you know, figure out what to do when uh when their bye weeks come up. You know, just just I don't know, make a make a super cheap trade for whoever's starting for Tampa Bay at that point. <laughs> you know, like you can do that. You can absolutely do that. Um I it, it's not the the strategy that I subs- that I subscribe to, but it works. It can work. Um, it, it just takes a little bit of luck, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. Like those guys have to stay healthy. Those guys need to not have a down season for you or else you're just, you're going to lose this an entire season for your entire roster. If, you know, if one of those guys shreds his ACL in week one, I mean, your entire season is going to be an uphill battle now. And it kind of doesn't matter how good the rest of your roster is. So, you know, yet another reason to have quarterback depth so that you're not wasting any of your own time, you know, due to an injury to one player. But the one other position where you can really set it and forget it and should set it and forget it is wide receiver. You know, those guys have, they they all have similar floors. It's not the same floor, but it's similar. And they all have the same upside. Now, you could say Jamar Chase has more upside because he had that game at the end of 2020, 2021 where, uh, what did he score, three, four touchdowns, whatever, 60, like 63 fantasy points, something ridiculous like that. Like, he just had a, a Madden, you know, a video game type of day. But that doesn't make that his ceiling. He's never going to do that again. So no, we're not going to call that his ceiling. <laughs> like 
the ceiling for most wide receivers is, you know, 200 yards and three touchdowns, essentially. Like, that's that's kind of the weekly ceiling. But that's most of them. Like, most of them are capable of that. Marvin Jones has scored five touchdowns in a game twice. You know, and he's not anything special, is he? He's just, just, the rest of the time, he's just kind of a dude. So if he has that upside, everyone has that upside. So, you know, we're, we're, we're not really trying to find, you know, some kind of marginal advantage at wide receiver on a weekly basis. If you've got a guy who's healthy, who has the floor, who has the ceiling, you just you just plug them in. You just start them. You know, the problem is their ceiling is generally lower than running backs and tight ends with a tight end premium. And you know, the heavier the premium, the more tight ends we're kind of talking about here. But you know, like for the most part, what you're typically going to get from wide receivers is somewhere you know 12 15 maybe 18 points and that's fine that's that's still good we still need that but if you really want to raise your your scoring ceiling you go with the guy who's going to touch the ball guaranteed touch the ball you know 20 times get that running back and the reason we don't set it and forget it at running back is, or at least I don't, <laughs> I won't. you you might, but I don't. I, I don't set it and forget it at running back because those guys, you know, okay, when you find a guy who has has the job, ha, you know, clear cut, has locked down that, that lead back job for his NFL team, then you set it and forget it with that guy. But that guy's going to change throughout the season. Sometimes it's due to, you know, it could be their own performance. It could be, you know, somebody else kind of coming along and outperforming them. And the, that that NFL offense takes the hot hand approach. A lot of times it's injuries. You know, you had Dalvin Cook as kind of your set it and forget it running back one. And then he got hurt. Now all of a sudden Alexander Madison is a must start type of guy. You know, and we've seen this. Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon gets hurt. Samaj P. Ryan becomes a must-start guy. So throughout the season, we're kind of cycling through wide receivers. It, and I've talked about this kind of the that wave approach, that wave attack with running backs. You're just kind of looking for the next wave. Get some guys on roster and get ready for them to take over the job. You know, get get like get get the handcuff to some of these guys. I mean, I prefer my own handcuffs just because it lines up better. <laughs> you know, if I've got Derrick Henry and uh, call it Hassan Haskins is the the handcuff to him, you know, the, the very second that Derrick Henry gets injured, I still have that Tennessee starter with Hassan Haskins until Derrick Henry comes back. And now I've, I've, you know, I've got that starter going forward too. So, I mean, this is a, this is eh, Twitter tried to cancel me over this one. So I I won't go too far into it, but yeah, I mean, you know, look for, look for those backups and prepare for them to take over the starting job due to injury, because that's, it's just such a frequent occurrence for running backs 
for them to come out of their lineup, their respective lineup. And the thing is, and this is this is kind of the the argument that the anti handcuff crowd likes to make is the upside of your roster is more significant if you have somebody else's handcuff. You know? So again, you've got Derrick Henry and you know, you've got you had it, you know, we're just going to use the 2022 season kind of as an example, but you had Derrick Henry, you had you had Brees Hall, you know, early on in the season. Or let's yeah, let's take him out of there since he did get injured. Uh, Saquon Barkley stayed pretty healthy all season, so you have Derrick Henry, you have Saquon Barkley, and then you have David Montgomery or uh, Khalil Herbert, the backup to David Montgomery. Right. And whoever had David Montgomery, you know, he gets injured. Now all of a sudden you just got an extra starter with Khalil Herbert. That's the argument that they like to make and and that's that's great. That I mean, you know, there's there's a ton of validity to the idea that you want other backups as well. I I I think that you want your own handcuffs. <laughs> Start with that. Uh you know, you 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 want your own backups uh, just because of the way it kind of lines up, like I said. But beyond that, you really kind of want just a lot of running backs. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter whose backup they are. You want your own handcuffs, but you want other people's handcuffs too. Both sides are right on this. You know, it's just like, let's just take the next step and say, we just need a lot of running backs because they're all going to step in as a starter at some point throughout the season. But we want those flex spots available for whoever that is that steps in. When Khalil Herbert steps in and all of a sudden he's got just a ton of upside, he's got a nice high floor because of the workload that he's taking on with David Montgomery injured. But we all he also has a, just a ton of upside just because of the sheer volume that he's about to get, you know? And, and to, so to me, that's, that's what the flex positions are for. It's the ability to bring in those guys, you know, as, as they, as they kind of step up into that lead back role for their, for their team, then I plug them into the flex spot and tight ends kind of do the same thing a little bit. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily a wave type of thing necessarily, but you know, you'll see some breakouts kind of come out of nowhere and then it just kind of sticks for a while. We kind of saw this with Cole Komet, for instance, you know, he just, just out of nowhere starts performing and then just kind of performs the rest of the season, essentially. I mean, some down games, but for the most part, he was, he was, you know, top five tight end the rest of the season and the favorite target of Justin Fields. So, you know, you kind of, you, you want that on your bench and you want a spot to put them into the lineup once they get there, you know, once they get to their, their NFL, uh, you know, once they kind of hit that peak, once they kind of hit their stride and they take over that job, they take on that role for their team then you want to be able to bring them off of your dynasty bench and put them into your lineup. Well, if you've just got a bunch of wide receivers just kind of locked in, you know, locking down those flex spots, 
It's like you've got a you you should have a pretty reasonable floor every week. But man, like the the upside is really limited. You know, if you've got a wide receiver who's you know, he'll probably get you know, eight catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's a good day. That's a that's a great week for you. But it's not anywhere near the upside of Khalil Herbert taking over that Chicago Bears backfield because David Montgomery's hurt. So, I I mean, I hope that makes sense. But to me, you know, there's there's a lot more upside. Not only that, I mean, it, it can actually be even simplified even further than that. Uh, as far as why I don't like to set it and forget it at flex. I pay my money to play this game, to play the entire game, you know, <laughs> to to make trades and work the waiver wire. And then when it's time to set my lineups, I want the whole, the whole control panel at my disposal. I want to push the buttons and pull the levers. And, you know, I want to make decisions at every single one of my starting spots. I don't want this to just happen to me. <laughs> That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to play a game. And it's not the lo- I'm not here to play the lotto. <laughs> I'm not here to uh, you know, I'm not here to play roulette. I'm not it's it's not a luck thing for me. I've got some skill, I've got some strategy and I want to use it. So maybe that's actually the easier answer to this to this particular question. But yeah, it's it it really kind of is for me. I I don't set it and forget it at flex because I like making decisions. I you know call me a control freak, but I like making lineup decisions every week. But I it, it, I I also just like to give myself the most upside possible. You know, if it's a league where. Uh, there's going to be a tiebreaker based on total scoring. And a lot of leagues now are doing the thing where, you know, the highest scorer who didn't get into the playoffs, uh, you know, of the like the top five records get, get in and then the, the top scorer who wasn't already in gets in. I play in a lot of those leagues. And so I'm like, you know, if I'm not going to, if I don't win this week, the goal is always to win every single week. But if I don't, if I run into somebody who just has a ridiculous week against me and they beat me, at least I'm going to put up a ton of points that helps me win that tiebreaker later. You know, that I, I'm kind of fighting two different fronts every single week. I'm trying to win my matchup, but I'm also trying to get as many points as I possibly can. And I think that's what everybody should be doing. And the way to do that is to find the most upside for your roster. Flex spots are beautiful for that because they give you the opportunity. I mean, you you can, you know, until you find those those running backs with that upside. While David Montgomery's starting for the Bears and you've got Khalil Herbert just hanging out on your bench, you know, then then go ahead and flex a wide receiver. At least they're going to give you a safe floor. But the second that he comes in, that Khalil Herbert takes over that job. You want to be able to get him into your lineup. Not just take the floor of the wide receiver. Get the upside of that running back. So that's that's my approach to flex spots, and that's why I don't set it and forget it. Like I said, it's it's kind of a 
a, a two-headed monster for me a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the point. So the last one, my last question here was from Memo. And uh, he asked, how do you stream tight ends? Um, super simple question with not a simple answer, right? <laughs> because like we... We always we we have our favorite tight ends going into the season. We have the guys that we think are going to break out, and it feels like it almost never happens that way. <laughs> so, so you know, like I I tend to find the guys that I like the most mid season because you know just kind of like Cole Komet, a lot of these guys you don't necessarily see it coming until it, it until you're actually there. Right. So it, it's it's really hard to predict which tight ends. I mean, we've we've seen all kinds of different metrics. You know, there's there's benchmarks for them to hit as far as, you know, targets and receptions and, you know, age and years served. And none of it really just fits across the board. None of it is actually predictive. You know, we just, it, it really just kind of is a matter of, I mean, take some shots, you know, find some guys that you really like going into the season. I really like Jelani Woods for Indianapolis. I think that, you know, I, I think that that, that pass catching tight end job is really going to be left entirely to him. And now you also get, you get Paris Campbell out of the way, uh, you know, and, and at, at least for the moment, you've got a much better passing quarterback than you've had the last several years you've got with Gardner Minshew he's he's a good accurate passer who can extend the play with his feet with his mobility and he's not afraid to take some shots that offense is in for a massive massive upgrade now that they've got Gardner Minshew at quarterback regardless of what they do in the NFL draft so I really like Jelani Woods kind of as a, a sleeper type of guy. We we got a, a break a mini breakout from Chigakonku uh this past season, and you know, he became one of my favorites. Um towards the very end of the season, Tegan Quatoriano for the Houston Texans. I think I'm the only person in the world who ranks Tegan Quatoriano. But he he became a favorite target for uh, for Davis Mills and Kyle Allen as well. Like he he ended up being um, heavily heavily targeted uh, for the Houston Te- Texans in the last few weeks of the season, and I'm just gonna keep going with him as one of my favorites. Uh, Darnell Washington is gonna come into this league. As just a as a you know Kyle Pitts type of athletic freak, not as athletic as Kyle Pitts. Certainly not going to get to draft capital, but you know he's he's that type of player. And then Irv Smith Jr. goes to Cincinnati, where he's the pass catching tight end. He's going to replace Hayden Hurst, who's now in Carolina. You know, so you've got a few of those guys. You kind of take a shot with them is a, you know, kind of a sleeper type of approach. But then, you know, in season, we really kind of need to cycle through those guys. We need to stream those players and find the guys who are getting the volume, you know, 
find the guys who have the attention of their quarterback. And especially if it's a quarterback with a safe job. <laughs> so, you know, if if Joe Burrow is heavily targeting Irv Smith early on, you know, and, and there's a good chance that he's going to be on waivers in a lot of leagues. It's been awfully hard to hold him. You know, it's one thing to, to keep him on roster, you know, put him on IR and just kind of not really think about him for the entire season. But it's going to be another thing to keep him, you know, even after you've, uh, even, you know, even after you, you know, when you start cutting down your roster before the season starts. So, you know, guys like that, uh, just, you know, you're, we're just kind of on the lookout for those guys who, at least for a moment, just really kind of grab the attention of the quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, as far as the streaming part goes, you know, first of all, I think that by having a lot of running backs, you know, you're going to have some flexibility. You're going to some roster flexibility. You're going to have some of those guys who go on to IR and open up a spot for you. Um, and then, you know, by going minimal wide receiver, this also kind of unlocks some extra roster space for you as well. But, you know, especially if it's a bunch of running backs, you're going to have some guys who get injured. You can move them to IR. You're going to have some guys who prove to be ineffective, not really part of the plans, uh, you know, for the NFL team and just get dropped. <laughs> so, you know, you're you're going to have the ability to to kind of churn the bottom of your roster and replace them with some guys at tight end who, you know, seem to be getting more involved in their particular offense, in their, their specific offense. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is a pretty, uh, pretty abstract concept. It's, it's going to kind of look different in every league, you know, how do you stream tight ends? It's going to come down to, you know, roster size, roster builds, starting requirements, um, you know, is there a tight end premium? Uh, there's still two tight end leagues out there that kind of throw people off a little bit. Uh, they kind of treat it like it's a premium and it's definitely, definitely not. So, uh, you know, so, but there, there are a lot of different settings that can kind of change the, change the way you approach this, you know, change the way you approach the, uh, uh, you know, the, the in-season management and approach that churn at the bottom of your roster. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to depend a lot on the, on the league itself. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to kind of come down to your roster build regardless as well. You know, do you have the room to necessarily churn, which I, you know, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, to me, I think you do want you you need the ability to stream at tight end because nobody else guarantees you anything. Travis Kelsey is is the only guy. Like it, you, it's fine if you wanna if you wanna draft Kyle Pitts in your startup or draft George Kittle or Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard or T.J. Hawkinson. 
you want to draft one of those guys to be your starter, that's fine, but don't commit to them as your starter because they haven't earned that. <laughs> they never earn that. They won't earn that. There, There's always going to be somebody with the same amount of upside available to you on waivers. So you want the ability to to stream. But, yeah, I, I, I will say that streaming is going to look a little bit different kind of depending on you know, on your roster build and on uh, league settings. So, but still a really good question and something that we can dig into more. And And I'm actually kind of curious um, when we get back to uh, bringing on some guests onto the Super Show, I'm, I'm a little bit curious how other people approach the tight end position and streaming tight ends and, uh, you know, the, the entire concept. Um, there might be some other approaches that I think could be super useful to us. So, uh, that's, that was all the questions. I, like I said, I, I had plenty that I wanted to talk about, wanted to talk about some rookie strategy, but let's talk more about it after the NFL draft. Um, when we've got a little bit more, well, a lot more clarity. And again, I, I don't, even though it's been a while, even though we've, you know, you've you've been deprived of the Superflex Super Show for a month now, I still don't believe that you really want to listen to me talk for two hours straight. Uh, so um, let's let's go ahead and wrap it up for the week, and hopefully it's just a week this time. Seriously, just just everything just turn back on next week, just fire right up, you know, record whatever I've got, whatever, you know, if I bring on a guest, whatever, just, just, let's, let's just, it, I, I hope it's just kind of a smooth operation from now on. I never want to deal with that again. That was miserable. So yeah, we'll wrap it up for the week and uh, fully plan on being back here next week uh, to talk more on the Superflex Super Show. But as we wrap it up for the week, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already. Rate and review the Super Show. Um, don't rate and review the last month uh, because that's not really fair. Um, but rate and review this episode. Rate and review the previous episodes. Just, just kind of whatever this podcast does for your life. I would love to hear. And sometimes that feedback... Uh, you know, it, it, it really helps drive the content of the show. But the other thing that it does, those ratings and reviews, it helps me to, uh, you know, some people see your reviews and say, oh, this podcast sounds interesting. And they start listening. And next thing you know, they're asking questions and they're sharing thoughts. And it's stuff that you hadn't thought of. And now we're addressing it on the show and it's helping everybody. So the more that that happens, the better off we all are. The more people who are involved in this conversation, the better the content is going to be and the more we're all going to get better. We're going to sharpen our tools here and get better at this Superflex Dynasty game. So if you would rate and review, it would be a huge favor to me. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brain Catullus. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to DLF for the platform. And above all else, thank each and every one of you for listening. 
And until next week, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, stay sexy and super flexy.